Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, if that sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself once without spot to God, to cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? The blood of Christ, the only thing that we have to do with. You know, if we stand before God in our own works, God will say, I never knew you. But if he looks upon you and he sees the blood of his son upon you, there is nothing that he is going to do but smile and love you and say, enter the kingdom prepared for you. We are redeemed only by the blood of Jesus Christ. Welcome, everyone, to today's edition of Truth in Christ Radio. We learn today that because God is all-knowing, He foreordained His Son, Jesus Christ, to sacrifice Himself and redeem us with His precious blood. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So in order for us to have peace with our God, we must first believe in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us. This is the only way we can escape the consequences of our sin. Let's listen to today's message. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. It gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. What a great and awesome responsibility that is. And boy, you cannot do it apart from the Spirit of God either. You will cower in fear. Have you ever felt that way? I have. I've cowered in fear. And there comes a point brothers and sisters, where we have to get and we say, Lord, I'm not satisfied where I'm at right now. I'm not satisfied with the status quo of my Christianity. I want to go deeper with you. And God wants to take you deeper. Surrender your life again today. Don't take the status quo and just rest in it. You must go deeper. He wants to bring you deeper. He wants your life to be worth something. And you know what? When you're living a life that glorifies him, you're going to be excited It's going to be something that's just going to jazz you every morning you wake up. And you're going to feel like, man, I just can't wait to get at it. (laughs) That's the way I feel every morning lately. I'm just like, I can't wait to get here. I can't wait to get into the Word. I can't wait to pray. I can't wait to do what we're doing right now. I love this. (laughs) So we want our light to shine, not so that we can bring attention to ourselves, but that people would ultimately glorify the Father which is in heaven. And know we prove that we love Jesus by being obedient and shining as lights for him. Jesus said in John chapter 14, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I think the alternate is true. If we don't love him, then you don't. But if you do love him, keep his commandments. Are his commandments grievous? Are they, are they um, uh, 
They're good, aren't they? They're very good, his commandments. Love the, he summed it up in two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, all your soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. From this hangs all the law and the prophets. And that's a, a summary of something really simple. But let me tell you, there's, there's a, within that is packed a great amount of, of, of life. Okay, It sounds very simple, but in reality, in practical means, it's very demanding because it requires us to deny ourselves. It requires us to, to, to crucify this old man, this old nature, and let the new nature, which is the Spirit of God in us if you're born again, let that new nature dominate that old, sinful, whacked nature. <laughs> let the Spirit of God come in and just set a, a lead weight and just crunch that old nature. The world needs to see it. Perhaps the reason why there's such a decline in churches today is, and I believe this to be true, is they don't see the real witness in the church. And I'm not blaming you. I'm not, you know, take this with a, you know, as a church, as, as a whole in, in the church, a visible church, we, we have to really think about this. We need to let people know that there's something worth dying for. Not that we need to strap C4 to our bodies and blow people up in the marketplace like the, the Islam does. God doesn't call us to do that. He'd rather have you a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him, being a light to those around you. That is the harder thing. Blowing yourself up is just getting wigged out on drugs or, 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 or hoping and then and just closing your eyes and pulling a cord. It's a cowardly way. But to live a life for Christ? Oh, whole different thing. Cowards blow themselves up. Real Christians will live the life for Christ. They will live for him because they love him. And they know that other people need to know him too because there is a wide road that's leading to destruction. And many there are be that are on it. And Jesus said, narrow is the way, narrow is the, the gate that leads to everlasting. And few are there that are on that path. So it behooves us to inform those who are on that broad path and that broad gate, going through that broad gate. There's a better way. You've got to stop. God loves you. He's got a plan for your life. Will you give up your life and serve him? Your life. Let him be your life. He's done the dying. You have to live for him. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says this. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And do not be drunk with wine, verse 18, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And the idea is being sober, walking circumspectly, knowing you live in a fishbowl. You're on display. Your faith is on display everywhere you go. People are watching. Neighbors are watching. Family is watching you. Is this really true? You know, I remember when I first got saved, my mom and my family, they were probably thinking, well, this is just a phase. He'll, he'll, he'll burn out on this, and he'll be on to something else, right? But it never, it never happened. It never happened because what happened to me was real. Jesus came into my life. I've been forgiven by the blood of Christ. I'm going to heaven. Are you going to heaven? <laughs> Yes, if you're a believer in Christ, you're going to heaven. Even, if, even with your compromise, even with your sin that you commit every now and then, if you, you just need to confess it. But if you're a born-again believer, you are going to heaven in spite of your imperfections, in spite of your failures. God is working. Sanctification is a process. It's going to take time. Learn to hate the sin as much as he hates it, and you'll do it less. 
We, we don't, we're not sinless, but we ought, as a Christian, to sin less. Amen? We're not perfect people. The world needs to know that, too. We're not walking around holier than thou with the lemon in our mouth, you know, from, from, from Oxford, you know. We're not, we're not that way. I resisted. <laughs> Redeeming the time. In 1 John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, let me just read verse 3 to you, actually. He says, and everyone who has this hope in him, the hope of Christ, because that's really the, the, the subject of this whole chapter is a living hope. Anyone who has this hope in Christ, this hope in him, purifies himself just as he is pure. We are purified already by the blood of Christ, but obviously, practically speaking, we need to put away things and put on things, right? We need to put off those things of darkness and put on the robes of righteousness, put on those things that Jesus told us to. You know, one of the problems in the, in the church, and I'm not speaking necessarily here so much, but in, in the visible church, is that people are trying to be cool to win the world to Christ. Trying to be cool. Be consecrated. Not cool. <laughs> Just like Daniel and his three fellows. Today we don't want to stick out and appear holier than thou, but the fact is we need to be holy. Verse 17, And if God, and if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout your time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, but from your aimless conduct received by traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You know, God is not partial. He sees everyone the same. He doesn't look upon the Jew and say, well, I favor him over the Gentile. God says there's no partiality with God. So if you call on the Father who without partiality, he judges according to each one's work. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what corporation you're the president of. It doesn't matter if you own uh, Washington, D.C. It doesn't matter what. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What does matter is your heart. And he says in that same verse, he says, conduct yourselves throughout your time of your stay here in fear. You know, Peter makes it sound as if we are at a bed and breakfast for the weekend. Your stay here. <laughs> conduct your stay here in fear, right? And what does it say in James? It says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is a vapor. It is even a vapor that appears for a time and then vanishes away. It's just a short time that we're here on this earth. Very short time. So our time here, our stay here on the earth is very short. And in Psalms, verse 90, it says, For a thousand years in your sight, God, are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. Because God dwells in eternity, time has no meaning to him. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's a variable. There was a gentleman across the street from me who just died. He was 104 years old. 104, I think he was 104 just passed away a couple days ago. hundred years is nothing. It's a long time to live that long. I'm sure when he finally went, he's like, thank God. <laughs> I'm so tired of, 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 of the aching and the pains and, and all that stuff. Lord, just take me, please. Right? But he's hopefully home with the Lord. But his time is so short. Comparison to eternity, it's like it never even happened. This little vapor of a life. 
And yet within that life, we've got decisions to make. We've got things we have to do. Peter says in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8, he says, But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Notice that we're resident aliens. We're just passing through. And sometimes we can think that this life is all that there is. And God has called us, he's called us to, to walk in a different way. We forget that our true citizenship, where is it? Is it on the earth or is it in the heavens? It is in the heavens. In fact, in John chapter 18, Pilate said to, um, it says in, in John chapter 18, beginning in verse 33, Pilate entered the praetorium again, this judgment uh, hall, and he called Jesus and he said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered and said, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? And Pilate answered and says, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I might not be delivered to the Jews, but now my kingdom is not from here. Our kingdom is not on this earth. I'll never forget when I was... um, I worked for a large company here in Rochester, and there was this woman who, she she was a lesbian, and she was a really wonderful lady. I really liked her, honestly. She, she was very likable, very funny. I mean, she had issues, as I, you know, everybody has issues, you know. But I walked by her cube one day, and I saw this thing on the wall. And it says, I can't wait for the rapture. And I, met, I remember when I first read that, I was really excited. Because I'm thinking, hey, maybe she knows, you know. But it goes on, it says, I can't wait for the rapture. We will have the whole world to ourselves. And my heart sank like a lead in the, in the ocean. And I'm thinking, you know, this, this poor woman doesn't understand that this world is under judgment. It's going to go under judgment. This world is not all we have. I want to go. <laughs> but I want to fulfill what God has for me. And I know you do too. He says in verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. You know, some traditions are good and some are not good. The things that are good, hold to those things. Those are good traditions. But the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, that's what you were purchased from. We were purchased from the slave market of sin by the blood of Christ. What does it say in Hebrews chapter 9? It says this in verse 11. It says, but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, if that sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself once without spot to God? to cleanse your conscience from dead works, to serve the living God. The blood of Christ, the only thing that we have to do with. You know, if we stand before God in our own works, God will say, I never knew you. But if he looks upon you and he sees the blood of his son upon you, there is nothing that he is going to do but smile and love you and say, enter the kingdom prepared for you. Right? In verse 20 it says, He indeed was foreordained 
before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. Jesus was foreordained before the foundation of the world. And there's a couple of scriptures we're going to take a quick look at. You know this one very well. In the very first chapter of John's Gospel, it says, In the beginning was the word, the Logos, the word, Logos. And the Logos, the word, was with God. And the word was God. Whoever this Logos is, this, whoever this word is, is equal to God. He is God. And he was in the beginning with God. So whenever the beginning of the creation of the earth and everything that we see in it, he was already there. He was already present when it was created. Because it says in Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, that is, through him, by him, and for him were they created. The heavens and the earth, all that we see, were created by him. And he was there when it was all made when it was all created from the very beginning. Does that just set a lightning bolt in you? I don't know about you, but I get excited about that because the same one who spoke it all into existence one day is going to call you up to meet him in the air. Soon, I hope, preferably today, in the next second, would be good. Hmm. Also in Revelation chapter 13, I love what it says here. Even though the context of this chapter in Revelation is really speaking of the Antichrist, During the tribulation period, it says in verse 8, And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, meaning worship the Antichrist, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Long before the world was even created, God the Father said, I have a plan. Because I know that when I create man, I have to give him free choice. He has to have a choice to love or to deny me. And when he does, fail. I'm going to have something in, pl- in place to save him, to redeem him from his error. Is there any God like that in the universe? All the gods that people worship apart from Christ that are really no gods, they're demonic entities with names attached to them, all of them are not like that. Have you noticed they all want to destroy you ultimately? They want to get you to think that it's all about you. It's all about you. You have to do this in order to be right with God. And let me tell you, when you look, the more you look at yourself, the more decrepit, the more frustrated, the more pills you take <laughs> to get you to escape from who you really are. And only in Christ can you say, you know what? I know who I am in Christ. I don't need to take pills to make me realize who I am. I mean, you may need to take pills for your high blood pressure and your cholesterol, but you don't have to take pills to, to, to snap you out of your reality because you know who you are. Verse 21, Who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead, and gave him glory. Jesus is in the heavens right now. There's a man in heaven with wounds in his hands, in his side. Probably even crown, the crown of thorns where it was platted down on his head. The scars from the crown of thorns. The whippings, the beatings, the scars are still there. He is in glory. And he says, verse 22, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again. There's a good word for you. Underline it. It only occurs three times in the Bible. This is one of them. Underline it. Because there's people who are saying, who is this? What's this born again business? Most people don't even know that the term exists in the Bible. Born again. You can look at it in the King James too. It's there too. Or the New King James. It happens here in this verse, and it happens in John chapter 3, 
or John chapter 3, verse 15, or verse 5, and then again, I'm sorry, in John chapter 3, verse 3, and then again in verse 7, I believe it is. It happens three times in the Bible, this idea of being born again. It's not just some kind of weird cult. You are not part of a cult. A cult is following someone who is a man who has ideologies and things that he thinks. Who cares? <laughs> but we follow the living Christ. Almighty God in human flesh, the Logos, the Word of God become flesh and dwelt among us, as it says in John chapter 1, verse 14. That's who we serve. So we don't serve a man. We don't serve, we are not part of a cult. We are a part of his kingdom because he's Almighty God. No one like him. Amen? Put a big smile on your face. Everybody just, big smile. Love it. Having been born again, notice, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Jesus lives. The word of God is Jesus. He is Jesus. Remember, that's what John tells us, the word of God. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who is that? The virgin birth. Jesus Christ came. He is the word of God. And guess what? This is his word as well. We need to know this and then let the word of God dwell richly in our heart and bring this to mind and to live by what he has shown us in here. He puts his word above all his name, it says in the Psalms. His word will abide forever. Everything else is going to burn. Can I say that? Louder, but I won't because I don't want to hurt your ears. It's all going to burn. The word of God abides and endures forever. Everything else is going to pass away because all flesh, verse 24, is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and it flowers, it falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And now this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. I love that. I love that. Going back to verse 22 there, being born again. Notice the evidences of being born again. What are some of those evidences? Well, if you desire to know the truth and to obey the truth, chances are you're born again. If you've asked Christ into your heart, you'll know it because you'll have this desire to know and obey the truth. You'll also love the brethren. You will love other Christians. You may not get along with them. You may not even like some of them, but you're going to love them, love them in Christ, and you're going to have boldness. You're going to have peace. Isn't that a wonderful thing? I don't have to worry about my future. My future is already, it's already in the book. If you're one of those people who is always concerned about current events and getting really uptight and getting really nervous and giving yourself ulcers, guess what? Give yourself a break today and read the end of the book. And guess what? When it really gets bad, you're not going to be there. (laughs) You're going to be raised up to meet the Lord in the air before all hell breaks loose. That's what the Bible says. You will be raised in the twinkling of an eye, your body will be raised and this incorruption or this corruption will be raised and our body will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. We will be lifted together. We will meet the Lord in the air, in the clouds, forever we will be with him. And then comes the great tribulation period, which you will never see. Now, if I was looking at this and I didn't know the Lord and I was reading the end of the book, I'd read through Revelation chapter 16 through 19 verse 10 and i read that, I'd be very scared. I would have every reason to take pills. Every reason to find the strongest drink possible with a little worm at the bottom. I would have every reason, if I didn't know the Lord, to be afraid of what's coming. But you don't have to be afraid. 
As a Christian, you know where your residence really lies. The promise is there. He's given us the earnest of his salvation. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time when Pastor Rob continues our study in 1 Peter. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.